2: My
0: name is Jenna Russell, and you're listening to Eleven, the official theatre podcast.
1: Hello, and welcome to Eleven, the official theatre podcast that brings the biggest stars and creatives together in one place to discuss life in the arts. Now, she's an icon of the stage, has got a Tony nomination and an Olivier award to her name. We've seen her live here in the UK and also on Broadway in the likes of shows including Piaf, Celebrating Sondheim, Guys and Dolls, Sunday in the Park with George, Fun Home, Merrily We Roll Along, You're in Town, Into the Woods, Les Miserable, High Society, Follies, Martin Gare, Soho Cinders, and Grey Gardens, to name but a few. She is, by all means, A living legend and one of my all-time favorite performers who is after such a long time returning to the stage for an exclusive solo concert so here now in an exclusive conversation we discuss why she is terrified of concerts so has pushed away from them in the past but is now tackling this fear head-on as she returns officially to the stage this november why she prefers to challenge herself creatively and move to varying different jobs avoiding greater lengths in long-running shows the story of how she became an understudy way back during the early days of les mis and the life lessons it taught her including why she would describe the experience as terrifying but why it made her want to return to lead the company in the early 90s plus why we also need to all admit that most successful understudies steal like mad all the good bits from their leading actors. My starring in Fun Home lent into the pocket of musical theater that she adores and how the show pushed away the often negative attitudes of a musical always having to be positive and not show darker stories and those that are more serious. Her love for the detail and explosion of heartache seen in musical Hamilton and why she'd shied away from listening to the album before seeing it live. Working with legends including Ewan McGregor and Sarah Lancashire in a certain signature production of Guys and Dolls, and why Ewan warned her about not going back to see that production once she left. While she's keeping everything cross for Hello Dolly's return to the London stage soon and how she dealt with the news it was being postponed due to the pandemic and why, if it does happen, she'll tick off a personal bucket list dream of working with a certain British icon. Why Sunday in Part with George is one of her favourite shows ever and how her dreams all came true getting to take it to Broadway, including losing her Tony Award to Patti Lapone. but why that's sort of okay because, well, it's Patti LuPone. Why Jamie Lloyd's urine in Town was totally weird and crazy, but exactly why she adored it. Why she believes there is a future life in the Grey Gardens musical and the real struggle of working with a history of such unattractive leading men. It's actual living legend and stage icon Jenna Russell here now on this, the next episode of Eleven, the official theatre podcast. To ensure the safety of all involved in this episode of 11, Jenna and I connected for this conversation digitally, so please forgive any brief moments while we wait for the internet to catch up. Enjoy. Please help me welcome to this, the next episode of Eleven. She's the Tony nominee and Olivier winner. That's an actual living legend. I'm so excited. Hi, Jenna Russell.
0: Hello, William.
1: (laughs) So nice to see you, just to see your face on my screen and to actually know that theatre and live performances and everything is coming back. I mean, I think just seeing your face today has made me smile. So I feel like a bit of a Cheshire cat just staring at you.
0: Bless you. I know, I I feel like I've had all my limbs cut off, not being away from our beloved theatre for so long. But yes, fingers crossed. We're getting back on track
1: it's exciting that things are starting to reopen. And one of the big major moments in the calendar coming up is you. And this is very exciting because you are doing, don't make that face, I promise it's exciting. I <laughs> feel like, because this is a podcast, you can't see what Jenna just did, but she looks really nervous, like, oh gosh. But it is exciting because you're doing a solo show at a very famous venue called Cadogan Hall. And basically it's just gonna be like two, two and a half hours of us just being obsessed with you, which is basically my life anyway. So before we talk about specifics, just, are you excited?
0: I am excited. I mean, it's a weird one, isn't it? I've avoided these things for so long. Darren Bell asked me to do a concert last year, um, which we managed to sneak in just before the, the second lockdown happened. And I was dreading that. But actually, I really enjoyed it. And I was I was surprised at how much I did enjoy it. And I had such a good time doing it. And he said, let's do another one. But let's, let's do it bigger and came up with this idea. And I thought... Do you know what? You've got to frighten yourself sometimes, haven't you? And and I, I seem to be in the business of, of putting myself in scary positions in the last few years. As I'm getting older, I'm thinking, I might not have this opportunity again, so grab it, do it, and I'm sure it will be fine. So I'm actually really excited, but also terrified,
1: of course. Are you terrified because there isn't a character there, perhaps, that you can put at the front, and therefore you know it's not Jenner as the individual, or are you just terrified because you've not done it, perhaps, for a year and a half? What what bit of it scares you?
0: Well, I think this, I think it's a bit of both. I've, I've always... I've done the odd concert, you know, singing with lovely people, and I always find concerts terrifying because it's about... It seems to be it's about perfection, and you don't have... A character to hide behind, and you know, if, if you know me and, and know kind of what I do, I'm not about the voice beautiful. I can sing a song, you know, it's not like I can't sing, but I'm not, I'm not a vocal technician. But I can put across the emotion in a song, and I can deliver comedy within a show. So I've always resisted concerts because exactly, you you kind of walk on cold in a dress sing a number and walk off but I think what I found interesting about doing the show at the Hippodrome was it's a kind of marriage of both you get to talk about the show a bit before you sing the song so you kind of work your way into the character that way and you can bring the audience in that way and it it just becomes more about storytelling which is kind of what I I like doing that's kind of the thing that interests me I guess.
1: I can sing a song as literally the understatement of the century, but bless you for being modest.
0: You know what I mean? You know, there are some people, I've got friends who are extraordinary singers. Like, I don't know whether you know Ali Jaya, but, you know, yeah. Ali, Hannah Waddingham. These people have voices. Damien Humbly, I've, I've sung in concert with Damien where I go, oh, shut up, you're just too good doff my cap to them all because they're brilliant um and they can do the other bit as well but'm I'm, I'm good at the other bit not so much the the bit that they're good at
1: when you talk about the stories and explaining perhaps some songs that have become synonymous with you roles that people have loved that you've perhaps been celebrated for i guess sort of the bits in between the singing where the audience gets to feel like they know you a little bit more and you get to know the audience as well do you like those moments do you sort of like going down memory lane because i know some people like it in the moment but perhaps they like to move on and not be known for specific things or even just one thing or are you sort of like actually I like talking about my career because they're milestones for me as an individual how do you see it
0: well I I guess I do like talking about it because I talk to students about this a lot you know careers take weird paths and Mm. and you can't you can't ever think oh I've reach this part I've done this bit therefore the ladder goes this way it always goes in different directions and often you know you lose out on jobs or a job is a disaster that you think was going to be wonderful but that opens a door into something else or you're playing the lead one day then you don't work for a bit and you get offered a job but it's a much smaller part but you do that and that moves you into another direction sometimes you have to take a few steps back in order to move forward again or Mm. sideways, you know, and and I guess I've always loved that in my career. People go, oh goodness, how come you can do telly and how come you can do... And it's more often to do with the fact that I've never really been a big fan for myself of doing a long contract in anything. So, you know, I I like to jump into a, a project, stay there for a few months and then move on to another one. And that often takes you branches you out in, in different directions and you learn stuff from that. So I'm constantly learning and you know funny be and my other half have been making an office out of our spare bedroom and we thought Do you know well let's go up into the loft and get all our little bits and bobs that you you know you keep from shows or posters or pictures of you with friends from shows and put them up because we've got nowhere that we've ever done that. You know and I'm quite old now I've never put these things up. And so getting them all out, I was like, oh, my word, I forgot about that. And oh, that, that's the first time I met that person. And then there I was 15 years later doing that with them. That wouldn't have happened unless I'd done that. I do like taking a trip down memory lane because I just think it does, it does um, inform who we are ultimately. At the end of the day, you know, we're, we're a, our history, good and bad.
1: I think it's really interesting what you said there about not wanting to stay in things for too long. But I, th- I think sometimes obviously people see that as a safety blanket where they stay in something obviously because it's work. And I, I completely get that. But do you think because you've perhaps done the opposite of that in some instances where you've wanted to move around and perhaps challenge yourself as an individual you've been able to learn almost from yourself because you've actually applied yourself to different things and got more in the skill set and therefore been able to say well I know I'm going to do this for six months there but I'll learn a completely new show again for something else do you think it sort of kept it fresh?
0: Yeah I mean and also I think it's taste isn't it I've I've always been I've always thought acting is such a um, an odd job to do and it's so fragile and you never kind of know what's coming up next. So I've I've always been of the mind, grab grab an opportunity when you get it, but make sure it's something you love. I think that's probably why I've shied away from long contracts because I want to still love it. And, you know, I've been doing it since I was 14. And the good news is I do still love it. And I do think that's because for me personally, being in one show for a year, I, I, think, it, I think it would become like a normal job, and you might have a crap year and do nothing, but you might do something extraordinary. You know, years ago, I remember my, an agent saying to me, you know, you can only really attract work when you're out of work if you're in a long contract for something people forget about you and don't ask because they go oh no she's in blah blah forget about that but if you're constantly available and they're not available but it gives you more opportunities and also I I like to work with new directors I like to work in smaller spaces so doing those shorter sharper jobs has always worked out well for me.
1: I may be completely wrong on this, and I hope my memory serves me right. So please do correct me if I'm wrong. But I think one of the first major professional roles that you did was understudying in Les Mis, and yes. I was wondered because you understudied Eponine and Fontaine, right? Or did you do? No, I,
0: I understudied Eponine because I remember when they asked me to do it, it was because Francis Raphael who played Eponine originally, was going to Broadway. So the show hadn't long come out of the Barbican into the palace. And when, when Francis went to New York, the girl, I think this is right, the girl who understudied her played the was moved up to play the part and they had a spot open for an understudy. But in those days you could, and I did just, I was like, yeah, I'll do it. But I've, I had another show, kind of my first big show coming into town, um, which was a Howard Goodall show called Girlfriends. So I said, but I can only do it for three months. So they let. They said, yeah, that's fine. So I I only did it for three months then. And then I did go back um, in 1990 and I played
1: Fonte. So I wondered how much that time being an understudy in a cover and then obviously going to play the role full time later on, how much did that teach you as an individual, as a young performer, you know, the, op- the sort of the craft, I guess, if that's the right phrase. And I guess, do you still pay reference to that do you still think oh that's a skill or that's something that I know that is because of that experience in Les Mis because I can imagine it's stuff like that when you're not doing it full-time where you sort of are pretty much just a sponge you just take it all in
0: yeah uh, oh, absolutely and you know being an understudy is a great it's a great job it's kind of terrifying you know you get to you get to save the day it's it's a nice feeling when when you do get on um I never actually got on as, as Epony, but I did, you know, obviously we'd have a rehearsal once every two weeks and it was great singing the part and, and doing the part. But all, all the best understudies I've ever seen are brilliant. Because, uh, uh, of, of course, with a big show and actually any old show, you can't suddenly walk off stage right and do your own, you have to stay in the relatively same position because you've, you're you lit, you know, otherwise if you wander off to the left or right, you're not lit. So you can, you've got an opportunity to make it your own. But I think what the best understudies do, and actually best performers do, is steal like mad all the good bits and try and chuck in a few little extras when they've got them. You know, and I still do that. I still watch shows or film or or certain things and if something happens or a choice is made that I go oh that's good I literally steal it. (laughs) My other half talks about actors being magpies and we are. There's no shame in stealing wonderful moments. That's the joy of being an actor to be observing people you know, somebody with a particular walk, I'll I'll just bank it, I'll put it somewhere. And one day that comes up, I've got about three things, that I still haven't had an opportunity to use that blew my mind at the time but I go one day there'll be a show and I can use that moment I'll, I'll steal that moment so no shame in that and that's 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 a great thing about being an understudy it's one thing to think oh yeah I'm going to do my own thing but really good understudies steal all the best bits of the performer they're they're um, understudying and just whack in a few extras
1: does it ever work the other way? Do you are you ever do you ever have an understudy and you hear things that they do? You know, if you're in the theatre at the same time, they perhaps rehearsing or performing and think, "Excuse me, you're not supposed to be better than me."
0: <laughs> do you know what? I've never I've never seen an understudy do a show. I guess it's because the sad thing is you're ill. That yeah. Usually, when you're when you're off, you're ill or you. have hurt something or you've sprained something so you can't which is a shame that's why it's a real gift when you're an understudy because you get to watch the show I remember one what the one time I did get a really good opportunity was when I did Martin Gare once I'd been cast because the show was already running Cameron said come and watch the show I said was that a good idea he said no come and watch it so I sat and I watched it and that was really informative because I got to see what the show was. And where moments I thought, oh, that's not working or that's I know what that needs. It needs more of this or less of that. But that's only because I had the, you know, the great good fortune to be able to see it most of the time. Usually in the jobs that I do, I don't get to see the show before because I'm in it. So, again, that's one of the things of being in a short run of something like Fun Home. I I didn't get I didn't see it in New York. I didn't get a chance to see our production because it was only, what was it, 12 weeks, something like that. I I didn't get to watch any of the show apart from the little bits in tech. Whereas if you were taking over in Les Mis, you could more than likely watch the the show a few times, steal the good bits and uh, polish up some other moments. (laughs)
2: At luckylandslots.com. Available to players in the US, excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group void were created by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply.
1: You did mention Fun Home there, and it's something that I just wanted to very briefly mention to you because I saw it and I thought it was extraordinary. I That's mean, it's a I brilliant
0: just, show, isn't it?
1: And I feel like, as an audience member, and I think this is very much a positive, and I love seeing pieces like this, I sort of was really clueless going in, especially with the title, with the actual subject matter in particular. And I I personally like stuff like that. I think it makes yeah. it exciting as an audience member. I feel like if you know too much, you think, well, come on, then impress me. And whereas actually with this, it, it sort of broke my heart. And I wondered yeah. for you at the, this, the heart of it and at the centre of it, did that happen every night?
0: Yeah. and I mean, it's, it's a, it's a beautiful, beautiful show. Um, for me, you know, all, all art is personal, isn't it? We, we all like different things for me. That show is kind of right in the pocket of what touches me and moves me, and where I think personally musical theatre can be so brilliant because you know you get a lot of people coming after the show to that say, wow, it's just, it's like a play, isn't it? It's like a play with songs. And I remember the writer, or well, all the writers, because we chatted to them all about this, they they used to in New York go, but it's a musical. Yeah, it's not a play, it's a musical. Because, of course, when people think of musicals, they think of jazz hands, possibly yep. um, tap dancing, kind of over sincere singing and lots of glitzy, schmitzy stuff. But there's another world of musicals, which is darker, more interesting for me, for my taste, has those moments, like Fun Home has great exuberant moments, funny moments, charming moments, but it has this dark story of, and actually a very small story about a family and secrets and and how these things can fracture lives, lives and memories, how we remember things. That's the bit that moves me the most because I don't know about you, but I'm a bit like that. When I remember stuff about me as a kid, I don't know how much of it is made up and how much of it is folklore, you know, family folklore, how much of it is real. We always have that kind of, did that really happen? I think it did. I've got a memory. And that's what the whole of Fun Home is about with remembering your family's past, knowing there was something wrong, something that was unspoken, but does she remember it correctly, you know, with tragic results? but along the way in that show you laugh lots you have joy you know when young Alison you know discovers her herself and her sexuality it's a beautiful moment and I defy anyone to not just be so lifted by that song changing my major to Joan it's kind of perfect and brilliantly directed you know this was a show that was what 5 years in the in the making they did workshop after workshop in new york and they had the right funding and they could make this extraordinary piece of art that put lesbians their story that a story of a lesbian lead character front and center it's never been done before you know all written written by women it was an amazing piece of work and i was i'm so proud and lucky that i got to to be in it and we all felt that we were in something you know Super special,
1: And I feel like it is, because I think you're completely right there, a part of this sort of, I don't want to say a new generation, because there will always be exceptions, but this sort of boldness of people to tell stories like this in the world of musical theatre. Plays are completely separate. But, and I just, just thinking out loud, but like Come From Away is probably a really good example. Probably, you know, the worst terrorist attack on staging. I've not seen it, you
0: know, and I so oh, you have to go to see, see it. that
1: oh, show. It's yeah. extraordinary. And you sit there and you I remember going to see it thinking, this is not going to be good. You know, you sort of write it off before it starts. And I even think about once, it's the same sort of era of theatre where it's tackling difficult subjects or fun things or heartbreak, or you know, in another lifetime. And I like the fact that musical theatre is daring to, I don't want to say edge on the serious side, but it's daring to almost channel out a new direction where... The acting is equally as important as the music, which sometimes isn't necessarily always the case. I think it's exciting. I can imagine for you as someone that likes to sing, but is character driven and actor driven. That's exciting for you.
0: Oh, it's the best. It's the best because, you know, you can you can move people. You know, I I think, you know, that's the thing about theatre, isn't it? And that's what I, you know, I've missed in this awful pandemic that we've been through I've missed that connection there's in that there's a thing that happens in the theatre and I'm sure I haven't seen Come From Away but I'm sure that's one of the the feelings of that show is that you go oh what's this going to be I don't know Mm -hmm. but it sounds like it's actually probably a very small story and it's about people connecting and helping each other and holding each other up and that's what theatre can do you know when we used to finish Fun Home in the audience in the in the curtain call you could see I could see the people who were reacting and it was all different types types of people but you could see that it, it was having a really strong effect on people and of course there are going to be people to come walk away I don't know what that's about or yeah it was all right I didn't like that song for me it's the bigger picture you know and you know who who is the person that paved the way for all this it's you know in my mind, Sondheim, mm-hmm. you know, he, he, he gave us the opportunity. He opened the door of saying that musicals don't all have to be jolly hockey sticks. They can obviously have those moments, but they are character driven yeah. much more his shows, I think, and and writers since Sondheim have picked up on that. Don't see, you know, people haven't seen Hamilton. I, I didn't, I shied away from listening to the album and everything i had no idea what it was about i really kept away from it because i wanted to experience it and when i went to see it i mean I, I just was looking around just going oh my goodness what is going on here it's a perfect example of how something can be commercial hugely commercial but it's it's intelligent it's it's telling a story in a different way yet there's extraordinary choreography there's moments of exhilaration, there's comedy, there's this terrible aching dark story of loss. I mean it's got everything that show.
1: Now I don't want to embarrass you too much but I was looking through some of the people that you've worked with and I Mm -hmm. sort of feel like you are showing off a little bit because you've worked with literally some of the biggest names in some of your shows and I don't know how much you remember but I was like let's just take Guys and Dolls for example. So Ewan McGregor was in that production at one point. Nigel Harmer was in there. Sarah Lancashire, of course, is on the big screen now with Jamie. I I mean, Jane Krakowski, she was in it as well. Nigel Lindsay, I mean, that's one production out of how many that you've done. I mean, does, and also you're Jenna Russell, like you're an actual superstar. I mean, when you all meet, do you all sort of like, do you all like put your hands together and like something magical happens or do you all sing in harmony? Like what happens?
0: That's hilarious. Who knows? Do you know what? I think the brilliant, the best thing about theatre is you, you might put the, the best cast together. You might have the best director, the hottest director, the the set designer of the century, and it might not work. It's just, you know, it's, it's always like a mad chemistry lesson. Alchemy happens and sometimes you throw stuff in the pot and something beautiful comes out that and oftentimes... It's the shows that are the most difficult to give birth to that you, that you kind of go, oh, this is never going to happen. This is a nightmare. And you're all crying and stressy, stressy, McStress from Stressville, Idaho time. Mm-hmm. And then this beautiful thing pops out at the end of it. But, you know, guys and dolls. I mean From what I can gather, right, from what I can gather, I never went to see the show Ewan, Ewan McGregor. Did, I was in it with Ewan. And um, then I I agreed to stay for an extra three months. And that's when Nigel came in and Sarah Lancashire and Nigel Lindsay and Nigel Harmon, the first one. But Ewan came back to see it when um, I was doing it with Nigel Harmon. And he came into the dressing room and he said, never, ever see this show. I went, really? went, honest to God, Janet. He said, promise me, when you leave, do not go and see it. I went, why? He went, because it's so good. He said, I just wanted to run up on the stage and throw that actor who's playing my part off the stage because I'm, I wanted to do it. He said, I wanted to be doing the scenes with you. And I think I know what he means. So I didn't actually go and see the show. But from what I gather, everyone who's ever done Guys and Dolls will kind of go, ah, yeah. I think it was, I think it was um, Imelda Staunton that said when she did the show, because she did it a long time ago at the National Theatre, I think she understudied Adelaide. She understudied Julia Mackenzie, but she met her husband on that show. She said it's one of those shows where everybody just falls in love with everybody. And not in a kind of let's ruin our marriage kind of way, yeah. um, in, in a way that the show is so joyous. And it is. It's ridiculously joyous. Um, and it's so well written. It's so it's tight as a drum. There's nothing wrong with it at all. You just got to put it on and, 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 and make sure you do it correctly. That, and the audience love it, that it's just so full of love. And I think you have to do a lot wrong to make a show like Guys and Dolls not work. I I gather as well, the other one where this is true is uh, Hello Dolly, which Mm -hmm. sadly I was meant to do and we lost that job. Oh gosh, I hope it comes back. But Gavin Creel, who's a brilliant Broadway actor, he did it recently with um, Bette Midler. And when they asked me to do it, I rang him up. I said, oh, Gavin, be honest with me. Will I enjoy it? He went, Jenna, you have to do it. It fills you with joy. He said, you'll walk around with a massive smile on your face the whole time you're doing it. He said, because audiences love it. They lap it up. It's great fun to do. There's nothing wobbly or fatty in it. It's just brilliant. So hopefully hopefully we'll get to do that again I hope so
1: I'm keeping everything crossed I, th- I think and Imelda
0: so. I... will be amazing Ugh. in that part she'll be amazing and also I've always wanted to work with her so have you she's never worked one. with her never no oh my we did we did a concert together ages ago just when I'd had my little girl I'd literally it was the first job I had back after having my daughter and I hadn't been on the stage since sunday in the park with george in new york it was a friday night is music night and we hadn't met but we were doing alan j lerner music and i was singing somebody somewhere from um most happy fella and i stood up it was in the rehearsal and Emelda was was just sat down and the orchestra started playing and i burst into (laughs) tears i just and i couldn't sing and she was like what's the matter when i just haven't heard an orchestra in my ears for, you know, two years, or however long it was. It's just, it's, it's just too much. It's just too much. So uh, it, just, it was beauty. It was a thing of beauty, but I think all the musicians and everyone else thought I was a bit of a loon. Music does that to you, doesn't it? And you go, I can't believe this little me, Jenna, from the council estate, standing on a stage with a 65-piece orchestra singing this song. Oh, gosh, what's happened? This is too good. But yes, Amelda. hopefully, hopefully we'll, we'll get to work with each other, hopefully. And I will. That's what I was going to say. I will be stealing from her. I will be in the wings, <laughs> mark my words, every night watching what that woman does because she's, she's amazing. And I'll I'll steal everything I
1: can. You know, I'm recording this conversation, right? People will know that you are a stealer.
0: Oh, I don't mind. I shouldn't be telling people. I shouldn't be telling people that's the way to go forward. But it (laughs) is. Watch people. If you like something that they do, bank it and, and throw it in a few years later in something else.
1: I love this. This should be on just like the front of a textbook at Arts Ed or something. If you like it, steal it. Just don't worry about it.
0: It's true. We all do it. We all do it. It's 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 it's, it's how, how the world turns, I'm afraid.
1: I can't imagine at any point getting the opportunity to go to Broadway is ever lost on anybody. And I can only imagine for you that experience was, I can imagine life-changing, the opportunity to experience the theatre world in a new way. I know that having been to New York and done some stuff there, you just go... Oh my gosh, it's completely different, but completely the same. It's sort of weird how you feel at home, but also not. So the first part of my question is, what was it like getting to perform on Broadway for the first time that opening night? And the second part of that question is I can imagine when you receive a Tony nomination for playing that part, you go, this is really freaking cool, but of course, you didn't win, but you did lose out to arguably the greatest actress of her generation. So that's probably okay, right? Yeah, <laughs> okay, okay. Just
0: <laughs> I knew I wasn't going to win. <laughs> I knew I, I went to see Patty Lepone playing Mama Rose in Gypsy when they were in previews, and we hadn't even opened yet. And I just went, "Well, there, there's the there's the the award for oh, performance <laughs> of the year." Yeah, damn, damn girl. But she, I mean, she was extraordinary. Getting to perform on Broadway, amazing. I mean, amazing. Amazing, and to to take Sunday in the Park with George, arguably might one of my favourite ever shows, and that was before I was in it. I've been singing it since I was fifteen in my front room, imagining being that character. So, it, it, yeah, it was it was crazy, mad, brilliant. I, I was terrified. I remember standing in the wings, being terrified of of forgetting the words. Because dot literally, you walk on stage, and the first thing you sing is that Sunday in the Park with George number, which is seven minutes long. I think it's quite wordy, and you've got nothing to hide behind because you're. I mean, that's the brilliance of the song because you're standing still because he's painting you. You can't you can't hide behind anything. It's just people are looking at your face and making sure that you say the right words. So um, I was yeah, I was terrified. I had that thing where you're where you're teeth <laughs> when your mouth gets so dry your lip sticks like that I mean I, I'm annoyed that I didn't know this later but I remember um this sounds like I'm name dropping but it I don't mean it to sorry but and McGregor did um what did he do the real thing on Broadway about six years after and he rang me up and he said oh he said, I'm so nervous about it it's ridiculous I'm nervous I said ah okay I found out the trick I said because I told him about my lips sticking to my teeth I said apparently there's a really good trick and this might be good for your listeners is um if you're doing any like after dinner speaking or you've got a best man speech or you've got an audition I've actually not tried so be careful but Ewan said it did work is you put a little bit of Vaseline on your teeth And your gum, and it it stops your mouth drying out, apparently. So anyway, I passed on this information that I found out too late because I literally walked on stage like that and had to kind of peel my my top lip from my teeth. But it it was all right. Yeah, it was amazing. Of course it is. It's crazy. And, you know, getting a Tony nomination is just lovely. And again, one of those moments you go, I can't believe this has happened to me. And who would have thought? Who would have thought? I would never would have dreamt in a thousand million years is that, that would I would have that opportunity and and you know it was great. It was
1: great. Rather, an Olivier winner and a Tony nominee, those things you could never have removed from you. You would always be that person. And it's I know it's, it's cool, nice right? that, isn't yeah. it?
0: It is nice.
1: Amazing. Well, I'm very conscious of the time, so I'm just gonna ask you two final quick questions and then I'm gonna let you go back to putting up all of your old programs in your office. But <laughs> I wanted to ask you about your in town because again, it's sort of, I guess, similar to Fun Home in that I was sort of a little bit naive to what it was, and I actually did. I don't know if it was on an app or whatever, but I remember going to the theatre and and trying to get tickets and they were like, oh, we've got a ticket on like the front row. I mean, like row minus A. It felt like I was in the orchestra pit. (laughs) I'm going to admit, it was quite a lot. I felt (laughs) at one point like I was just like, rain spit on me, the orchestra was loud. I was like, jeez. But again, I just sort of fell in love with that show. And I'm again, I'm not sure what I expected, but it was just so much fun, but also quite weird, right? Oh, totally weird. <laughs> where did
0: you see it? Did you see it at the St. James's? No,
1: I saw it in town. I saw it where Jamie oh, okay. is now, yeah.
0: Mad show, mad show. We had the most fun in rehearsals for that show and we're all still in touch, that cast, that original cast. We We laughed so much. And, and Jamie Lloyd directed it. And I've worked with Jamie. Jamie was an assistant director when I did Guys and Dolls. And I've since worked with Jamie on, with Kit Harrington um, yes. Dr. Faustus, and we're, we're, you know, we're good mates. I know he's, he's misses really well. and I mean, a lot of directors would have gone, you guys, will you just shut up? But we were hysterical, and most of the time hysterical. And I think it's because, as well, the subject matter is so crazy and you know I'd made choices that were quite full on comedically. <laughs> and you know, I said, oh can I can I come on smoking? Can I and every everything I said, can I do this, Jamie? You go, yeah, do it, try it. And most of them st- st- stayed in. And we just had such fun. It's a great show. Not actually a really good, really good message. And of course Jamie being Jamie made it so dark. At the end, I think somebody gave birth to a rabbit. We were yes. like Jamie, right, and he's like, I think it's great. Well, okay, let's let's, let's go there. But we were covered in blood. And again, looking at my pictures, I found a picture and I I must send it to him of, of Jamie backstage with his hands covered in blood kind of looking at us all just with all this blood dripping off and then another picture of me did a selfie obviously must have done this selfie and you know i've got no hair because he got me to cut all my hair off covered in dirt and grime and just blood all over my face only in a Jamie Lloyd production.
1: Literally, only, only, in
0: only Jamie, in a Jamie yeah. Lloyd production.
1: And it must have been so difficult for you working with such unattractive leading men. I mean, it must oh, it's have been, been horrendous. Oh, God,
0: William, I'm glad you're mentioning it because <laughs> I've had a really hard time with the actors I have to play opposite. Yeah, I've, yeah.
1: bless you. It, you know, keeping because... going. Well done. Well done. It's
0: thanks. I'm, yeah. I'm struggling through. <laughs>
1: (laughs) so naughty okay my final question for you and this is a subject that I wanted to talk to you about because I adore Grey Gardens so freaking much
0: me too and I
1: was like I have to have to have to ask you just working with Sheila like oh how I don't even know what a question I should ask you apart from like did every day you just bow at her feet and that production that show that message that story just Perfection.:
0: Oh, thank you. Another show that I, I'm so grateful that I got to be part of. I love that show. And Tom Sutherland, who directed it, did it so directed it so brilliantly. was so clever. With how he did act, because Act One and Act Two are very different, and Act Two is kind of like the Act. Sorry, Act One is the past, and Act Two is the present. And you know, if you if you're listening, you don't know what Grey Gardens is. That was this documentary that was made in the seventies. Real, real people, and um, they had they've made. Uh, she became that they became the two women in the documentary became kind of ridiculously famous, especially the daughter who was in her fifties. And she kind of became a style icon. I mean, it was she was extraordinary. She's kind of like this gay icon as well, oh, I guess. Because she was on Drag
1: Race, wasn't she? She they was did on that. Yeah, yeah, James did her.
0: <laughs> Fantastic, and and. Act, act one is kind of the, what happened before we meet them in the documentary. Then act two of the musical is kind of virtually the documentary, but some of it put to music very cleverly um, by Scott Frankel and Michael Corey. Did a brilliant job with it. And it was, you know, it was a big hit on Broadway and we did it at Southwark. But I've still, I still think there's going to be a future with that, that show. Definitely. I, 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 you know, whether, whether Sheila will want to revisit it only, only because in Sheila's words, she's kind of, I think she'll be with us forever, but she, when I've asked her, if she'll do it again. She's like, well, I'm not sure because I don't have that long left and I want to keep doing new things. She will be with us forever. Cause she's, so. she's extraordinary and she's fit as a fiddle. But um, I, I understand that it's, it's, sometimes revisiting stuff is, is, is a bit boring. And especially if you go, I just want to say yes to things that come along and not have to say, OK, in two years time, I'm going to do that. I, I, I get all that. So who knows? We might persuade her to. But I think there were I think everything with everything crossed, we will do that show again. I'm certainly working hard to do it I know the producer is I know the director is I know the writers are it's just finding good place for it and you know whether we can do anything else with the show as well but it's a brilliant brilliant show the music is beautiful it's funny it's sad it's odd brilliant character to play my god she was wonderful
1: all i remember is just from the documentary i think it's just goes fish diplets i just remember that one line <laughs> Fish <laughs> diplets. all i remember i don't know
0: <laughs> my daughter does a re- you know from how how old was she nine years old when i was when i was practicing it and i would play that go look look at this woman isn't she extraordinary her accent so Still, Betsy will go. Oh hi, mother wanted me to come out in a kimono. We are quite a fine. It's cute seeing much. a nine-year-old being being Edie Beale. It's very
1: cute. <laughs> well, maybe there's Sheila's replacement if we if we so yes. need it. Maybe
0: yes, no. or if it takes so long, she she can play little Edie, <laughs> and I'll play the mother. <laughs>
1: Jenna Russell, this has been such an honor. Thank you so much. And I cannot wait to be there on November 7th to see you. Are you gonna Caducan come? World. Hell yes, I nearly swore. Absolutely freaking I'll be there.
0: Thrilled that you're coming, William. Yeah,
1: I can't wait. Tell your
0: friends.
1: Oh, I will, don't worry. Just be just be you in a room full of gays. Don't worry. You know, you know oh, your mother. I can't
0: think of I can't think of anything better.
1: <laughs> well, good luck, honestly. Um, just thank you so much honestly if I say it too many times it will sound insincere but I really genuinely mean it thank you so much
0: well listen if I ever get to to be on a stage again apart from my concert and you and you come and see it please let me know of course we'll meet in person it'd be lovely to meet you you're lovely
1: that'd be amazing (laughs) thank you so much enjoy the rest of your day enjoy your meeting very exciting thank you thank you very soon
0: take care thank you so much bye bye
1: Find out more about Eleven at 11podcast.com or via the Broadway Podcast Network.
2: 18 plus.